Good morning. Uh, today is Good Shepherd Sunday. We celebrate it on the fourth uh, week of Eastertide. And as I was preparing for today, I was realizing that I had relegated the metaphor of Jesus as the Good Shepherd to the stuff of Sunday school. And that as an adult, I hadn't seriously sat with that metaphor to think about what it might mean. And I've been rewarded in the last couple of days as I've done that, and so I want to invite you into that this morning. Psalm 23 is always the appointed psalm, uh, despite what year we are in the lectionary cycle, on Good Shepherd Sunday. And it's probably the most familiar passage of scripture to people, which means that we can read it and not actually hear it. I know that that's true for me. So I want to ask, um, what do we hear when we hear it again? And when we listen with care, what can we understand anew? And to that end, I'm going to use Eugene, uh, Eugene Peterson's translation, uh, because as I read it this week, uh, it really resonated with my heart differently. As I read it, think about what it says about who the Good Shepherd is. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. What did you notice about the shepherd? Was it the way he provides for his flock? Was it the way he guides and protects them? Was it the exquisite shade of laying out the six-course meal right in front of the enemies? <laughs> Was it the way the shepherd fully sees each member of the flock, each as individuals? My favorite line of this version is, you let me catch my breath, and you send me in the right direction. Some of you know that my dad has dementia. My family and I are watching him decline. My dad was very intelligent, proud, forceful, jovial. He was a voracious reader and a gifted Bible teacher. And when I spoke to him a couple days ago, I struggled to make sense of what he was trying to communicate. His lifelong gift for language is confounded. And in his confusion, Rather like a sheep, he started to wander. To my family, it's starting to feel very much like we've entered the valley of the shadow of death. 
So the image of the shepherd's crook is a particular comfort to me. I love that it's so tangible. In this psalm, the shepherd's crook gives a feeling of security because of the one who wields it. In the hands of someone else, the crook could be a cause for anxiety. Another shepherd might deal harshly with the sheep, but this is the good shepherd's crook. He leads his flock to lush meadows and still waters. He feeds them, revives them, blesses them, and accompanies them through death into life. The image of the crook reminds me that Jesus is close, especially in trouble. It reminds me that Jesus gives direction that leads us to life. And it's a symbol of protection. The only one who needs to fear in the presence of the good shepherd is the predator of the flock. The metaphor of the good shepherd implies a metaphor about us as well. It renders us sheep. What can we make of that? For one thing, it acknowledges that we are dependent creatures. Sheep depend on their shepherd for their safety and well-being. And whether we're conscious of it or not, we similarly depend on God for our lives. God is our creator, sustainer, and redeemer. The metaphor of us as sheep acknowledges that we're situated in flocks and depend on them as well. We're made to live in interdependent communities, even though Western cultures have tried to convince us that we are autonomous. Communities of blood and spirit are intended as gifts for our flourishing, imperfect as they are. Finally, Sheep wander and become lost. We become distracted. We go our own way. And sometimes we find ourselves separated from God, our shepherd. But let's remember that God is the one who leaves the 99 to seek out that one sheep who had become lost. Psalm 23 uses the shepherd's crook to symbolize God's guidance and protection. But Jesus identifies his voice as the source of wisdom and direction in our reading from John. Though God is referred to as shepherd language, it's the person of Jesus who's identified with the figure of the good shepherd. Earlier in John, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. It's a claim to his divinity and unity with God. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Something I learned about sheep this week uh, as I was preparing was as a result of listening to a podcast. And they were talking about a pastor who wanted to better understand the language of sheep and shepherds in, in the Bible. So she profiled uh, a shepherd. She spent a day with a shepherd. And the bulk of the time that they spent together, the shepherd spent whispering. So eventually the pastor asked, why are you whispering? <laughs> and the shepherd said, if I use my regular voice, the sheep will immediately come to me. Apparently sheep are highly attuned to the voice of their shepherd. That also encourages me 
that somehow hearing and following Jesus's voice might be intuitive or fundamental to who we are. Sometimes it is challenging to discern Jesus's voice among the voices that clamor around us. But that's not what Jesus emphasizes in this passage. He puts his relationship to the sheep at the center, saying, I know them. And it's this relationship that leads the sheep to follow Jesus. In her commentary on the passage, a scholar named Elizabeth Johnson writes, the voice of the good shepherd is a voice that liberates. It does not say, do this, and then maybe you'll be good enough to be one of my sheep. It says, you belong to me already. No one can snatch you out of my hand. Secure in this belonging, we're free to live the abundant life of which Jesus spoke. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Did you hear that? Our belonging to Jesus is not dependent on doing enough good first, on subscribing to enough right doctrine, on feeling particular ways or having specific experiences or even being without doubts. Jesus' voice calls us by name and claims us as his own. It's a mystery, but he loves us because he loves us. It's all grace. So I want to make a little space to slow down enough to listen to Jesus' voice with you this morning. And first, I want to invite you to sit with this line from Psalm 23. You let me catch my breath, and you send me in the right direction. Let's make it a breath prayer. As we inhale, let's say to ourselves, you let me catch my breath. And as you exhale, say, and send me in the right direction. You let me catch my breath. You send me in the right direction. You let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Try that on your own a moment. there circumstances that have left you worn and breathless? Would you receive God's hospitality this moment to simply catch your breath? Do you need to be sent in the right direction? Would you name that and ask for God's guidance right now?
And let's consider the promises Jesus utters. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Is there one of those promises that grabs your heart this morning? I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Or no one will snatch them out of my hand. Take a moment to consider and personalize that promise of Jesus to you today. work in you. Let me close by repeating our collect for today. O God, whose son Jesus is the good shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen.